This is the Get Healthy 360 Podcast, where we discuss topics related to your physical, mental, financial, and spiritual health. Your host is Dr. Chris Ferguson, board certified in anesthesiology and pain management. This podcast is for informational purposes only, and you should consult your primary health care provider before making any decisions related to your health. And here's your host, Dr. Chris Ferguson. Oh, one more thing before we start. If you like this episode, please consider rating us five stars. We would really appreciate it. Thanks very much. Welcome to Get Healthy 360. Today we have with us Eric Dalton, PhD. He founded the Freedom from Pain Institute and developed musculoskeletal alignment techniques, also known as MAT. He's educated in massage, osteopathy, and rolfing. We'll have him explain what those terms mean. Dr. Dalton is also the author of three best-selling manual therapy textbooks with an online home study programs in 2007. Dr. Dalton also was inducted into the Massage Therapy Hall of Fame, and in 2012, he received his One Concept Lifetime Achievement Award. Eric Dalton is a lifetime member of the International Association for the Study of Pain and affiliate faculty member at Indiana State University's Physical Medicine and Rehab Department. So, Dr. Dalton, thank you for joining us. Um, you have developed a, that musculoskeletal alignment technique that I don't think many people, at least in my my professional circle, are aware of, but I can vouch for it personally saying it works really, really well. And you have a fascinating um, story of how you got into it because you started off with a background in philosophy and mainly psychology and yeah. psychology. So um, let's, let's just start at the beginning uh, into how you got into kind of your, your story and then how you got into um, musculoskeletal alignment and how you help really thousands and thousands of people with uh, their pain issues. I wasn't very good in psychology, for one thing. I loved the study of it, but uh, when it came to actual practice, uh, the first thing they had me do out in uh, this clinic in California is I was supposed to be a little interim person, these guys coming out of uh, um, the tension. I was supposed to determine if they were uh, ready to to, to come back into the real world, and it turns out that they I was a preppy guy from the University of Oklahoma, and they were street kids, and they kind of worked me over, and it made me realize that really I uh, didn't, psychology as a counseling was not for me. So, and I was a drummer at the, at the same time, and uh, um, so I got interested way back then in nutrition, and ended up after 15 years in the, in the recording studios in Los Angeles playing drums and traveling the world playing music and stuff, um, in in working at the Health Institute of San Diego teaching nutrition. And one day a lady in the uh, kitchen was telling this other person about this rolfer. And I don't know if you've ever heard of rolfing developed by a doctor. Please explain what rolfing is. Oh, it's a hard thing to explain. It's a deep tissue modality. Dr. Ida Roth, who was, uh, she worked at the Rockefeller Institute, PhD, worked back in the days of uh, Linus Pauling. That was one of her best friends, Columbia University. Uh, she had a boy who had scoliosis, a pretty pretty severe case of scoliosis, and, and he was having a hard time uh, getting uh, moving around good enough to, to uh, be in school. So she started taking him to the local osteopaths and chiropractors at the time and picking up things and be, started working on him at, 
uh, in her spare time after she, after she would finish her, her things at the Rockefeller Institute. And long story short, she was able to kind of help, kind of help straighten this kid's spine. He was able to go on and to school and do all that no stuff. No surgery. No surgery. Yeah. Functional scoliosis turned out to be a functional scoliosis, which is more of a fixable scoliosis, was an idiopathic. And... Um, and so she kind of, in 1929, just kind of dropped out. She had her own department in chemotherapy or, uh, yeah, I think it was actually chemotherapy. It wasn't the same kind of chemotherapy we're thinking about, about today. But, um, uh, and, and started uh, kind of becoming a gypsy teaching this stuff, developing and teaching this. And she developed the Roth, uh, started the Roth Institute in, uh, well, she started in the 50s uh, teaching. And then uh, the Roth Institute went into Boulder, Colorado in uh, Oh my gosh, I think around 1969, 1970. And I went to school there, started going to school there in 79. I'd back to that story of being in the kitchen and hearing about the, the rolfing. I had heard about it in LA, uh, that it was a great deep tissue technique and it helped a lot of people. One of my drummer friends uh, had, uh, had had it help him. So anyway, when she talked about it, I started going to this guy, this rolfer, as they call him, in um, Del Mar. And he fixed this... Uh, what I now believe to be a rib pain that I had uh, that was causing me a lot of problems with my drumming. And uh, so that got me real interested in potential of doing something like that, some kind of hands-on work, which I'd never really ever thought about doing in my life was not something I really wanted to do. But um, so I started going to school and I got to, you have to graduate from massage college first, 500 hour massage college. And then you've got to, to uh, do an interview for the Rolf Institute in Boulder, Colorado, and it's a two-year program. And then you are off a few years, and then you go back for another year of advanced training. So I did that, and that's a deep tissue. It's an alignment, a structural alignment, where we look from the, um, the ground up and start trying to see, you know, overpronated foot, is that causing a valgus knee? Is that valgus knee causing an internally rotated femur, which is causing a, a torsion in the pelvis, which may be causing low back pain or something like that. So it, uh, it, it's basically that sort of a, alignment model. And then I had a, a judo fall in 89 and fractured my uh, neck. Oh, you do judo was, as well? Uh, uh, yeah. How uh, many years? No, not uh, for, many years. You know, I actually had five years of, of karate of, and, and I was really, um, I am obsessive compulsive. And this uh, in karate, my teacher kept saying, man, you need to get in judo. You were a wrestler a little bit in high school. You need to do this. You'll like it a lot more and you won't be cracking any ribs or anything like that. And so I started doing that couple of years of, uh, of judo and one day after class we were all tired and I was playing with my instructor and he threw me and I didn't really uh, understand know how to fall yet and I came down on my head and went to emergency and uh, had a fracture a non-displaced neck break so it didn't get into the spinal cord but I did get into my radial nerve and my I couldn't pick up anything with my left hand for for a few months but I had that radial nerve pain dermatome at first and then it went kind of went numb and uh, I elected not to have surgery and I you know went through a whole bunch of processes on my own and ended up uh, being able to fully rehabilitate it but um, but that got me uh, really interested in bones because I didn't know any much about the bones and I didn't know that much about the nervous system and so I uh, applied to Michigan State College, I, I, meantime, I'd applied for that physical therapy school and gone a year and wasn't really that interested in it because it wasn't enough hands-on work. And I'd already been a hands-on therapist for five or six years. I started in 79 as a hands-on therapist. 
And uh, so it didn't interest me, and, but I was able to get into a program at Michigan State College of Osteopathic Medicine with uh, Philip Greenman, who was the developer of that program. And they were first year, they were allowing physical therapists to come in and take their post-grad workshops, all hands-on stuff. And it's, uh, tw- there were 22, I think, 22 workshops there. So I went for nine years. I was obsessed. Every workshop I could get in uh, there uh, trying to understand more and more about it, and I had a lot to learn because I didn't really have a background in, in that. But so anyway, in 98, I decided to, um, to try to put those, well, actually, 1994, uh, decided to try to um, teach a workshop combining the deep tissue work uh, that I'd been doing for many, many years and, um, and osteopathy, understanding how, what, what, how it's influencing the bones. So what exactly is osteopathy? Uh, well, osteopathy now is like, you know, there are a lot of MDs uh, or if you go through the medical school and you have to now, but manipulative osteopathy before it was accepted into the American Medical Association, and the rest of the world, Canada, Europe, all, all that, it's, it, there is no medical uh, osteopathy. Oste- osteopathic medicine is simply hands-on medicine, except in the United States where it was accepted. So um, this was the original stuff developed by a guy named Dr. A.T. Still, MD, back in the uh, Civil War days. So is that like the that. same thing as chiropractic it's 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 they they started at about the same time the osteopathy started a little bit before that but they started near nearby uh each other and uh incidentally you know a couple they there's word that some of the uh founders may have taken cross cross pollinated their their information it's a little more sophisticated than chiropractic in a way um but uh but it's still the same yeah that we do all the different kinds of things except for the high velocity popping stuff you know i don't do any of that we don't do any of that in my uh therapy not that that's bad because there's very good uh i get have had some very good results personally from from that type of high velocity thrusting motion that you hear when you pop your neck or something like that. But this was a whole nother thing. This was, uh, uh, I was interested in what they call muscle energy there, where you, you, it's more of a stretching. You're stretching people into a certain area. You locate, uh, uh, by palpation, you locate maybe a, a joint that is not moving properly, and you isolate down to that dysfunctional segment and do certain motions, twisting motions, kind of a stretching motion. So you're stretching the muscles that may be in protective muscle guarding around that area. And you know that in your pain management practice. You know, you feel those, that protective guarding, all that tightness people get when they're, uh, you know, when they've got some sort of, of uh, pathology or, or perceived pathology in there. So, you know, it was... Um, you know, I've really enjoyed it. I've loved doing it. In 1998, I decided uh, since I really didn't feel like I was grasping everything that uh, I was learning at the or hearing at the at Michigan State College of Osteopathic Medicine, I uh, decided to uh, to write a book about it. So I wrote a book, Posture Pain Performance, and put out some DVDs. And it was the first nationally approved home study course in our industry. And um, so we just started. I uh, started teaching the, the basics of it in '94, but '98 is when it really became serious. And we were on the road, you know, up to 18 weeks, 18 weekends a year. Uh, before I sort of semi-retired in 2012, now I only do two workshops a year, and I have a lot of people like uh, Jane Dietert, uh, your your friend, um, and uh, and other teachers that are out doing the leg work. Some of the younger legs. <laughs> so I'm still 
not clear on like how is your your therapy different than say chiropractic or massage or physical therapy yeah well there's a lot of crossover now there's a ton of crossover now because you know doctors of physical therapy they now have a um, a doctor of physical therapy degree and really why that developed was out of the same program that I was going to at Michigan state. A lot of physical therapists were coming up there going, you know, well, we haven't had any hands-on work. Uh, my sessions are 55 minutes long. I've had a 41 year private practice and, um, I basically deal with pain management, but I deal with, uh, you know, the stress, uh, just, just relaxation stress, but I, I, it's not massage. I don't use oil. There's no oils or anything. And most of my stuff, if you look at it, it looks like, uh, uh, I'm stretching the people, you know, I'm putting them in certain positions and, and we, I watch them walk. We, we do a gait analysis. We do a postural analysis and it's kind of based on a postural model, um, as well as a pain model. And, uh, and we just try to get everybody lined up and see if, if it helps and, and give them home retraining exercises that, that where they can work at home and, um, and try to strengthen the, the, the areas that are, that, are, that are weak. And primarily what we do is create extensibility in the muscles and connective tissue that are tight. I, it's, it's really always been hard for me to explain roughing, and, I, uh, and that was the, the first thing that I studied, and I think it's hard for everybody to explain it unless you see a session. I have 181 or 187 videos on YouTube free that, uh, where I do demonstrations for different things, thoracic outlet syndrome, where I start in the neck, uh, and uh, work through, work through uh, intertransferior muscles that may be compressing the nerve roots as they leave the spine, then go through the interscaling triangle uh, uh, to see where the next compression site might be, and then go under uh, the in, to the costoclavicular canal under that, and then under pec minor, those kinds of things. We go into um, uh, d- we take certain conditions like that, sciatica and um, and 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 go through with different sorts of uh, modalities and techniques and um, I don't know it's been it's been really successful in a lot of people and you know it it, it takes a while it takes a while to get the the uh, the feeling for what you're doing and for the eye you have to really kind of be able to see what what the people are coming in with and what they uh, and and what you know, what kind of movement patterns they have, how are they moving, you know, just because they have a, a scoliosis, you know, you can look at Usain Bolt, fastest man in the world, and it turns out he has a function, a scoliosis that uh, causes him to have a short leg on one side, and, and uh, when they ended up putting a, a little bit of a platform in that, in that shoe, at realizing that it, uh, you know, that was one of his problems, congenital uh, short leg, uh, it slowed him down. So, you know, the brain adapted to that and uh, uh, when he was a young child. And so that kind of scoliosis, you know, that's a uh, scoliosis. I don't, I don't really deal too much with most of my things are from people who are, uh, have uh, ankle joint dysfunctions in their ankle, their Subtator joints off. They they may have a, a, a overpronated foot, and that overpronated foot may be causing valgus knee and internally rotated femur, twisted pelvis. And we try to take those uh, torsional patterns out of the body. One of the things that we always try to do in uh, what we my 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 therapy is called myoskeletal alignment techniques, and uh, or MAT. The acronym is MAT, 
And uh, what we try to do in every session, we try to, bef- to always try to level the head and level the tail in every session. So the OA joint, the cipital joints, where the platform the head has to sit on, all the riding reflexes, it's really an, obviously a very important area with the brainstem there, pontomedullary reticular formations that uh, influence posture so much. You've got all that stuff going on, all the neurology going on at the OA junction, and it's a very, very complex joint to understand and to uh, to work to 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 deal with as far as helping you get back into a, alignment proper alignment uh, same way with leveling the tail which is leveling the sacral base the spine loves to have a, a level platform to sit on the brain is happiest when it has a level platform to sit on and so that's one of the things we try to do we do techniques like iliosacral alignment technique where we try to rotate the pelvis back around and uh, get the person moving through that uh, that new pattern, trying to relearn the, the new pattern at home by giving them corrective exercises and things like that. And uh, in every session, if we can just do that, and then as soon as they come back for the next session, you recheck them and see uh, see how you're doing and see if they're doing their homework. So should people come in to see someone who is familiar with your techniques? Should someone just come in if they have a specific problem, or can someone just come in almost like you get a tune up with your car and just get evaluated. Yeah, yeah they can. I end up working on a, a entire families of, 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 of people and, and it's more like a, it can be more like a tune up. I kind of like that idea. And I know a lot of people do not in my industry do not like the idea. They think, you know, fix it. And, uh, and it's, and it's, well, you know, it's just, that's just not how it, it works for me. I've had so many injuries in my life. I know that I need to have somebody, part of it is a brain thing. You know, we're coaching the people and, you know, you've got to convince the brain that, uh, that, uh, that this is the, the way we want the body to move. We would like the body to move, uh, in a certain way, you know, the said principle that they use, and it's an old, um, term has been around forever in the medical field, uh, 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 specific adaptation to impose demands. So we have people sitting all day long now, more and more doing what we're doing right now, and head goes forward, and all of these compensatory patterns um, occur, and the brain starts to uh, say, well, you know, if you're going to sit in that position, I'm going to support you as best I can in that unnatural position. So you start to learn these things, particularly in the midbrain, the pontomedullary reticular formations, learn those, those patterns. And, uh, and then we start to move. Cerebellum starts to, um, to, to memorize those patterns. So it's kind of breaking those, those habits, if you will, and uh, causing the, um, the body to move more gracefully and functionally. And so, yeah, so I like the tune-up idea. I, I, I book, um, typically when I get my uh, a new appointment book in October, I by the end of, of October, beginning of November, I'm completely booked the very next year, the entire next year, because I do have people who have been coming to me for a long time, and then I work on a cancellation basis. If somebody cancels, I encourage them to cancel. If you're not feeling well or if you're feeling great, give the appointment to somebody else. And then I have a waiting list and I put people in on the waiting list. But some people don't need it. Some people I can get them out. I try to stretch them out. First, I'll see them maybe every couple of weeks in the very beginning, first few sessions. Then it's every month. And then I try to stretch them to two months if they're doing their home retraining exercises and stuff like that. And it goes on from there. So do you have any case studies or examples where someone has tried a lot of different things and then they came to see you and then whatever you did worked and then explain yeah. why what you did worked. 
Oh yeah, <clears throat> yeah, a lot of them. I had a, 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 a some interesting scoliosis cases uh, that were thought to be well, and they may have been the the one girl I'm thinking of. Her mother uh, brought her in, and she was a real athletic young girl. I think it was 12 when she first started coming to see me, and she had a uh, an idiopathic scoliosis that developed about the right time, about the time that it usually does in girls. The hormone, hormones are changing, whatever's happening there. And uh, and she'd been to an orthopedic surgeon. He wanted to fuse her spine. And so um, uh, doing the Harrington rods and everything. And uh, so we, we started working with her, and her mother was very skeptical there all, all the time. And I really was not real comfortable because I, uh, I felt like I was under so much pressure. But she started getting better. We, we do the, There's a thing called the Adams test, which is a 100-year-old test for scoliosis. You act, basically ask them to bend, completely bend forward, forward bend, and then rotate side to side. And you watch what the scoliotic pattern does. Does the curve get better? If it gets better at all, then it's called a functional scoliosis. If it stays the same, it's, the, it's a fixed idiopathic scoliosis. So, they, uh, so she started looking better. And, uh, and so, uh, her mother just, gosh, one day she just kind of cried and said, she does look better. She denied it the whole time. I kept saying, look, she's looking better. I mean, this is a matter of months. We're not talking about days, weeks. And, uh, so anyway, she goes back to her orthopedic surgeon, a guy that I was familiar with, been out to dinner with. And, um, and he, she's, and so they took films. She, she hadn't been in three months and took films and, uh, and he said, she says, okay, so, so how's she looking? And he goes, well, the films weren't any good. And he goes, she says, well, why were the films no good? And he goes, well, it, they, they just weren't any good. And she kept prying. And he goes, well, it looks like her scoliosis is getting better. And that's impossible. It just doesn't happen, you know. So we need Harrington rods in this girl and we need them now. So then she told him that she had been having this therapy and everything. And that didn't sit too well with him at the time. Now we both understand each other and he does refer people to me. Um, but, uh, you know, caught at an early age with an athletic girl, even if an um, idiopathic scoliosis like that uh, can, can change, it can definitely change the brain. If the brain decides to, uh, to try to adapt to, to that, uh, it can make all those necessary changes. A fascinating case to just differentiate, to be able to differentiate between who have an idiopathic scoliosis that, really is not fixable versus the ones that are fixable. Right. Yeah. A lot of them are, most of them, you know, you stand on one leg, you've got a scoliosis, you know I mean? The, the sure. your lumbar spine starts to have to adapt. Everything adapts. So any kind of uh, leg length uh, inequity uh, or pelvic rotations, it can come from the top down too. It can be an OA problem, a simple lanyard joint base of the skull there. Uh, if, if it sits, sits unlevel, the brain's going to want to level the eyes, even if it means ravaging the neck. Well, typically that's not a big problem because the biomechanics, which is what I love the best about uh, osteopathy, understanding spinal biomechanics, a term that uh, coupling in the cervical spine is called uh, neutral mechanics. In other words, when you side bend your head to the, to the left, the vertebrae also rotate to the left. Well, that's not true primarily in the in the thoracic and lumbar spines so but people like me who've had kind of a, a fusion because of, the, of of a neck break uh, a natural fusion in their neck when they have an, a simple lanyard joint and you notice if you're looking you can look see me on screen now i know we're we're only audio but you can see me and you can see how my head is a little cocked to one side and that's because my uh when i fractured my neck 
it, it, it fused to that side. So uh, my OA sets on level, and it was really hard for my brain to get adjusted to that because it wants to change. So what a brain will typically do, it will try to level the eyes. It doesn't matter. So it tries to level the eyes, and that causes a scoliotic pattern that can go all the way down. That's called descending syndromes. There's ascending syndromes, ascending syndromes, which come from the feet up, uh, hypopronated foot, subtalar joint that's, uh, that's funky, uh, valgus knee, all sorts of things like that that can cause uh, a, sco- a functional scoliotic pattern to develop up through the spine, and then it can come from the top down. You don't, I don't see as many of those because if you have a really healthy neck, it goes it, the 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 neck will absorb it because rotation and side bending coupled at the same sides and that, so it'll take it'll take the scolios- a scoliotic pattern out out before it gets down and goes on further down, digs deeper into the into the body. It's fascinating. One of the most common um, causes of pain is low back pain. Yep. Um, so how do you differentiate between things that, say, your technique would fix versus what, say, a physical therapist would work on or what a pain doctor would work on or a chiropractor or a surgeon or what have you? Right. Physical therapy and, and what I do really work well together um, because th- – Physical therapists are absolutely uh, the gold standard for corrective exercises, and um, particularly the modern um, uh, physical therapist. And um, and that's not what what my deal is. I, I'm, my, my practice is strictly hands on. I mean, I give corrective exercises, three corrective exercises for uh, for people to do their homework. And uh, then I test them on it when they come back. Well, what, sure wait, are these standard exercises you kind of give for a general? Yeah, well, yeah for a certain, no, it depends on what they're, it depends oh. on what they're, they're coming in with. You know, I might, I might, uh, might have them put one hand, but if, if, if they have some sort of uh, a back problem and I see that they've got an anteriorly inferiorly rotated right ilium and it's twisting the pelvis, I might have them put that right foot up on the, uh, the, a, a chair and stand there and do light squats to try to posteriorly rotate that ilium, something like that. It could be a specific exercise like that, or it could be if I feel like there are facet joints in the lumbar spine that are, that are not wanting to close. There have been protective muscle guarding around there that's not allowing the superior vertebra to glide down on its inferior neighbor. I might ask him to do something from yoga, like a cobra, which is a hyperextension exercise. Uh, there's a lot of therapists that do a thing called the McKinsey technique, and it's all based on on uh, extension, because you know we 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 live in a flexion dominant society, and uh, a lot of times uh, that uh, the uh, the spine gets uh, into a, a a place where it can't move like it wants to, and that causes its own protective guarding. The brain doesn't know, really know. It's not specific. It doesn't really know what's going on down there. It just goes, listen, I'm not sure what's going on down there, but to prevent further insult to those structures, I'm going to lock it up in protecting muscle guarding until somebody figures it out. You know, and that's what st- kind of the stuff you do, all the stuff. I've been to a lot of pain management doctors, by the way, too. So, so uh, um, wait, so you've been to pain management doctors for years? Oh, yeah, okay. for me. Yeah, I've had bilateral knee replacements through, uh, you know, abusing my body forever, you know, and uh, everything from. Did you have the knee ablations? Uh, no, uh, uh, actually. It was kind of, uh, I don't know, I, I only had one knee that really needed it, and I talked my orthopedic surgeon doctor into doing both of them because I knew that the other one was going to need it at some point, and that was a mistake. Bilateral knee replacement was one of the most uh, painful of all orthopedic surgeries. I didn't really realize that at the time. 
And uh, so, you know, I saw a pain management doctor for that for, for quite a while. And, you know, and the odd thing about that, this is a wild story, but I awakened from my bilateral knee replacement with bilateral sciatica. I'd never had back pain in my life or anything. And I awakened with sciatica going down the uh, uh, peroneal nerve dermatome in both legs. And uh, I go, you know, this is impossible. I haven't moved. I have not moved. Something had to happen in surgery. And uh, nobody could figure it out. The orthopedic surgeon was one of my best friends. My neighbor lived across the lake from me. And we couldn't figure out what was going on. But uh, I ended up getting a minimally invasive procedure, uh, which I absolutely love this procedure. Uh, the one guy in Oklahoma was doing it at the time. And uh, What was he, it? Uh, it was actually a... Um, well, all he did, I'm trying to think of the name, but it was basically just went in and cleaned the bone spurs out of the of uh, one side of the intervertebral uh, foramina. And then he drilled through the body of the vertebra and cleaned the other side from the same incision. You know, it wasn't really an incision. You know how they do that mentally invasive thing? They yeah. Like a, yeah, yeah. And then they just put those spacers in there till they get about a quarter size hole and put their high speed drill and, and uh, camera down there. And that stuff's so sophisticated now and they are so good at it. I mean, I recommend that to a lot of my uh, clients uh, that, uh, that are having uh, back problems that ordinarily had had to cut, cut them open. But anyway, that I could have actually probably worked the next day. I mean, there was no physical therapy because there was so little muscle wasting and, um, and it was a, it was just a great experience to, 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 when every time as a therapist, when you have things like that done, fractured neck, you know, you start specializing in necks, mm -hmm. back pain, sciatica, you start wanting to know everything that sure. can be known about sciatica, you know? So those things are a blessing in disguise. Uh, you don't think so at the time, but, but they really are. And I learned a lot and I learned a lot from these two pain management doctors. I went to, I got a few epidural steroid injections, I got facet joint injections, I got SI joint injections at first. We thought this, I know this is impossible, but could it possibly be bilateral SI joint? Why? How would that be? I finally determined that, you know, where that sciatic nerve splits in the back of the of the knee there with the, the peroneal tibial nerve, you know, they have to kind of jerk on that, that uh, knee to get it out of there. And I think they probably pulled on it and there was already osteoarthritic um, changes in both all through my lumbar spine there, particularly at uh, L4-5. And uh, I think when that happened, it just was enough to cause inflammation. Now, why it happened on both sides, I'm not exactly sure. But it caused an inflammatory state, and I think uh, it started to rub on that uh, dura matter, and uh, uh, and my brain decided it needed to let me know that I had a, a problem down there that I didn't know I had. But when I got films of it, it turned out that I did have some a lot of osteoarthritis down there. So how, help me get a framework for this. So you have spine surgeons who do surgery. Mm -hmm. Then you have physical therapists who do their exercises and whatnot. Then you mm -hmm. have pain doctors who will do, say, steroid injections or ablations or stimulators or whatever they do. And then you have the musculoskeletal alignment technique. So how do you see, and then you have chiropractors. So how do you see all of these specialties fitting together? I have a great referral base. I refer to all those people you just mentioned because they, there, there, is, there are times you've got to know when to refer out. You know, I know what I can do and what I can't do. Typically, when somebody comes in to see me, I do a, a history intake for as long as, as it takes, a gait evaluation, take a look at how they're walking, take a look at their posture, uh, see what they can do, what they can't do movement-wise. Uh, and I know if I'm going to be able to, to help them or not. 
because basically there's just a, a lot of, uh, of issues with flexibility that people have. Mobility, flexibility, and, and oddly for my low back people, one of the things that helps them most is getting full range of motion in the femoroastabular joint. And this is where, you know, my sessions are 55 minutes long. You go to physical therapist, you're in there, you might be in, the, in there for, you know, for an hour, two hours, but they only have their hands on you if they have their hands on you at all for, you know, 15 minutes or so. You know what I mean? I'm, a, I'm, I'm totally 100% hands-on for 55 minutes. Yeah, how do how do all these specialties fit together? So yeah, you, yeah. you're hands on physical therapy. It's yeah, minimally hands on, but mostly exercises and whatnot. Yeah, so I can tell. You know, I can pretty much tell if I if I'm going to be able to to help somebody, particularly after the the uh, first few sessions. I'm still I'm working on alignment. I'm thinking about um, ma- making everything move, and I'm trying to calm down the nervous system. Basically, you know, there's so much new information now in the pain science realm. That's the hottest thing right now in my industry and of course yours it's been your thing forever but uh but the you know the neural matrix and all that melzack and wall stuff and Mm -hmm. and now the uh uh, understanding that so much of the things uh, uh, pain is so so much more complex than we ever thought it was you know when when i was in 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 psychology and uh graduate school and in 65 we were talking about you know gate control theory of pain and we thought that was just unbelievable you know and when when melzack and wall came out with that and uh and now you know that's what we um that pain science is is infiltrated the the whole industry and so that's what i try to to think of when i'm working on people how am i convincing this person that the, that this is where i want the body to be i want the, the brain to understand this it wants to be back to normal the brain always wants to go back to its set point it likes to be uh, like i say a, 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 the spine likes to sit on a level platform the head likes to sit on a level platform when you start establishing order in the body the brain starts to go okay i, got, I think i can calm down that because there's some or so many of them are centrally uh, sensitized sensitization, central sensitization. You know, it's that they're so hyper-regulated, up-regulated. The nervous systems are so up-regulated; it doesn't take much stimuli to cause uh, the brain to freak out and want to uh, to cause a pain response. So basically, that's all we're trying to do: is calm down the nervous system, getting uh, everything uh, as aligned as possible. And that's something that. Chiropractors kind of do it, but they're still stuck with the, uh, you know, 15 minutes, maybe possibly 15 minutes with their hands on you. But uh, we systematically will will go through the body and and take the time to try to deal with uh, any kind of uh, imbalances that we see. And the the 55 minute thing is is a big deal because you really learn a lot. This is my 41st year in practice and, uh, you know, nothing Trump's experience. You know, you can't teach experience. Experience is either there and, and, and after that many years, um, you know, you, you get a feel for how you're going to help the person from basically from their history intake. The history intake for me is something that really uh, sets it apart, uh, being able to to hear what they're saying, listen to what they're saying, make them feel safe, and get into the biopsychosocial model, and uh, and then you know when you when you start to put their hands on you, that's a real trusting thing. You start to get in the hormonal system, the dose, do, uh, dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin, beta endorphins. You start to influence all the hormone hormonal system, and that calms down the the uh, parasympathetic nervous system. 
So I don't know, you know, I don't know how the whole thing works. Um, but, uh, and it's always hard to explain what, um, what we do in that 55 minutes. But if you ever saw a session or ever experienced a session, I know you'd like it. It's like assisted stretching, you know, and, uh, Somebody comes in and starts doing some really comfortable, slow, all of our stuff is slow and you meet the restrictive barrier and all that kind of thing. It, it feels great. My biggest problem is getting people to not to, to quit coming. You know, it's always been a problem for, for the last, at least last 30 years. It took me a long time to really get it. It takes a little while to get to, to get the feel for the restrictive barrier. You know, people bulldoze the barrier. What I mean by that is, is, uh, you move the tissue, you engage the tissue with your fingers, hands, elbows, forearms until something stops you. Well, that's the, the, your first restrictive barrier. And you work from there. I don't go in and do massage and warm people up and put oil on them and do all that kind of stuff. I don't do any of that. I come right in and start trying to meet the restrictive barrier and uh, finding out where that is and start to work from there. Try to uh, to get uh, more range of motion. I just remember what I was going to say a while ago about a lot of my low back pain people, what I find that is one of the major things that has helped them is anterior hip capsule, iliofemoral ligaments. They're, they have a tendency with this uh, desk-occupied posture that we, this society has now to the iliopsoas will, will shorten up because, uh, you know, it's in a short and slackened state and the hip flexors shorten up. And then when you stand up, uh, you know, you're kind of dipping in the pelvis, excessive lumbar lordosis. And then that anterior hip capsule will start to get fibrotic. So your femoral tabular joint, your hip joint has to have full range of motion. You get that uh, full range of motion in the hip capsule, particularly extension, because as the person steps forward their back leg, uh, if that hip capsule won't let go, then it causes uh, a, the lumbar spine to have to go into a, a forward tilt. And that crams L5-S1 together, L4-5 together, and all that sorts of stuff. So you get those kind of compensatory patterns like that. So things like that, we, we, we've, we, there are certain areas that we know have a big influence on certain conditions, like sciatica, like low back pain, like facet joint arthrosis, or, or uh, thoracic outlet syndrome. Rotator cuff, work on a lot of my, my top three things, neck, back. Neck and low back are my favorite things to do, uh, and followed by, I guess, rotator cuff problems. Yeah, probably those, those are the, probably the top three things I work on. Thoracic outlet syndrome, nerve stretches. I do a lot of neural mobilization stretches, nerve mobilization stretches. And then has, you have people that you've trained that are really all over the U.S. All over the world, yeah. Mm -hmm. All over the world. So if someone yeah. wants to find someone that has been trained in your technique, um, uh -huh. how would they go about doing that? If they go to Eric, E-R-I-K, Dalton, D-A-L-T-O-N, dot com, there's a uh, drop down for all of our therapists that have been trained. I think there's, gosh, I don't know, 500 or, or 1,000 therapists that, that uh, have had, done, had my training. And then there's certain ones like Jane Dietert, who you know, um, who are called master myoskeletal therapists. And that means they've taken a 210-hour program that I offer. And once they complete that program, they are called master myoskeletal therapists and they get a special designation because they've got more experience. They have more experience. They kind of know the program. They kind of know what uh, we're supposed to do. And so on my website, ericdalton.com, they can uh, look at that. And it's all, all over the world. Every, 
almost every corner of the world, you can find a therapist that uh, has at least had some of my courses, and maybe not all of them, maybe they're not totally proficient in it, but it lists the courses that they have had, so you can kind of get a good idea of what, uh, of what, you're, what kind of uh, experience you're, you're dealing with. Well, I think that w- that that's a great place to end the um, podcast. So again, um, Eric Dalton, and again, we'll have the links to the his website and everything else in the show notes. So if you've tried a variety of um, healthcare professionals, things aren't working, and you want to try something a little bit different that doesn't, specifically if you want something non-invasive, but isn't the high-velocity chiropractor um, cracking techniques, which even though you said it, there's a place for it, if you want to try something else, um, ericdalton.com, Eric, E-R-I-K, Dalton, D-A-L-T-O-N.com. Again, it'll be in the show notes. Great place to start. So Dr. Dalton, thank you so much for taking the time for this podcast. Thank you, Doc. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and visit the Get Healthy 360 Facebook page. We are always looking for feedback and new story ideas. Thanks again, and see you next time.